How do you take a classic to the next level? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. In the game spotlight this week is the game that put cooperative play at the center of board game culture, and the game that builds on that success. It's Pandemic and Pandemic Legacy. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Scott Moyle. Hello. And Steve Tassie. Howdy. All right, so you guys have played, you've heard, you've heard of this game called Pandemic, right? Uh, once or twice, yes. Yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, for those of them who have not heard of Pandemic, it's an extraordinarily popular game. When did you guys first hear about it? Uh, Steve, actually. You, you first got me playing Pandemic probably uh, six or seven years ago. I mean, so very shortly after it came right, out. Right after it came out. Yeah, I... I can't even remember where I first heard about it. It might have been... I think it it may have actually been at the cafe back before I was uh, a worker hmm. there. Um, no, I for yeah, sure bef- played Pandemic before. with you before there was a Snakes. Huh, interesting. I... Uh, it's become such a part of uh, of the culture that it's everybody, it's everybody. Everybody feels like it's always been there, so it's it it, it really has become a a, a fixture, almost an institution. the The idea of cooperative games did exist before that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Reiner Knizia's Lord of the Rings cooperative game, which came out quite a few years before then. But Pandemic was the game that really put co op games on the map and made them a thing. Grabbed everyone's attention. Got nominated for an SDJ. Didn't win. Lost out to well, yeah. Dominion came out the same year. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. It, it was it. Pandemic popularized a genre of game. Dominion created a genre of game, mm, and uh, I think that's why it won. So, how do you guys feel about Pandemic? Are you fans? I mean, one of my enduring favorites. Yeah, I uh, I play a crap ton of it uh, on uh, my iPad at the moment, and have played quite a bit of it in uh, in analog space that well. brief pause there folks was our sound engineer trevor giving the big thumbs down to pandemic and i'm gonna have to join him on this one in fact uh not a fan of pandemic largely because the alpha player problem just tanks it for me see i feel like alpha player is a thing unless you make you know, it not a thing yeah you solve it um certainly when i teach it at, at snakes and i do a lot of <laughs> recommending yeah. and teaching pandemic oh God, at snakes yeah. The uh, there will sometimes be someone at the table who who starts alpha bullying, and uh, and sometimes to the point of jumping in and taking the person's turn for them, moving their cards around, moving their. We did a around. whole episode about the alpha player problem and yeah. just how much it can destroy the game experience for people. But I think it's really easy to uh, look that person in the eye and go, "Yeah, you could do that, or you could do lots of other things." What do you feel? And to exclude the alpha player, you know, center the person who's getting steamrolled. And then you get some good pandemic. That was one of the uh, the solutions that we did sort of come up with in that episode. Um, and it does work in some cases, but not in every case. Sure. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, if you like, though. So Pandemic, for, again, once again, for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, is a cooperative game. Everybody's on the same team. Either you all win together or all lose together. The world's suffering from a massive global outbreak of infectious disease, and the players are among the very few who are immune. They have to discover cures for these four deadly plagues before humanity goes extinct. No pressure. I think that theme is, uh, is, oh, yeah. is the, a huge part of why The it's theme so is what sells that game. Uh, the number of people that uh, I've spoken to in the cafe who are nurses or doctors or researchers, mm-hmm. virologists, it, uh, they, they just gravitate towards that game because they're excited to see something that is re- related to their field. Yeah, the heroic scientists. But everyone, regardless of what you do for a living, everyone has seen 
Outbreak and you know Outbreak Two, The Monkey Takes Manhattan, and just all those uh, contagions. Yeah, all the the Robin Cook stuff. Sure. Oh, they've read The Stand. Yeah, you, know? you you know this concept, and it's a very easy hook to get into the idea of I'm going to save the world. Everybody can get behind curing deadly diseases. <laughs> Here you are. You've got a map of the world. You've got these cubes in different colors representing diseases spreading across different regions. As you move around, try to remove the cubes, discover cures. Uh, another big part of I, th I think of why this game is so popular is how it really requires the players to work together. You know, if each of you goes off and does your own separate thing, you're gonna lose. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is a fine balancing act between damage control and progress. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you ignore one in favor of the other. The one you ignore is going to kill everyone on Earth. And part of that balance is making sure that everyone's on the same page as far as what needs to be accomplished at any given time. Is this the moment to do some serious treatment and, and prevent the possibility of future outbreaks? Or is this the time to go, I, I am one card away from a cure. I have got to get the this card so let's make that happen yeah, if, if montreal has one more outbreak then that's that's okay we can stand that i just need to get a cure for this plague yeah, it feels like a lot of triage which is thematically unpunked <laughs> now um there's there's a couple of different uh, variations of this game as well some people like to play with their cards face up on the table so everybody can see what you've got others like to play with their cards in their hands that way you have to talk to the other players that is the official rule of the game mm -hmm. um i will teach it uh with people playing open-handed i will explain that the game says don't uh and i will tell people why the game says don't and i will to make it more social make it yeah. so you have to talk to each other I, it's, it's also to defeat the alpha player yep. issue if if no one if someone can't just peer at your hand and go oh well here's clearly the obvious thing to do um but for me when when people are new to the game i find that the alpha player problem is not an issue it's so when you've got one person who knows the game, yeah. that's when it really crops up. So I say just play open-handed because it's going to make it easier to play without making it easier to win. So a lot has changed in the board game world since 2009. A lot of advances, a lot of cool new things have come in, gotten big. Uh, not just deck building with Dominion, but things like worker placement have gotten huge. Uh, other uh, American and European style hybrid games have come in. How well do you think Pandemic stands the test of time in an age when we have all different kinds of co-ops? Uh, different kinds of cooperative games using different ways of challenging players as a group. I think it's aged extremely well. I think uh, the open-endedness of four actions on your turn from a menu that's eight options long in the basic game um, has, uh, has so much replayability built in. I think it's also really telling that Matt Leacock has made a career out of throwing Pandemic in a blender and seeing what <laughs> comes out. Um, Forbidden Desert, or sorry, Forbidden Island, baby's first pandemic. Mm -hmm. Forbidden Desert, a very cool game in its own right. Some really neat mechanics. Uh, pandemic The Cure, which is a fascinating... Pand otherwise known as Pandemic the Dice Game. Yeah, Pandemic the fiercely evil, difficult dice game that I love. <laughs> um, the three, I think, expansions for Pandemic. Um, on, on, the the brink, on the Brink, In the, the lab, lab, and... State of Emergency. State of Emergency. I was going to say On the Fence, but that's not a thing. <laughs> um, like, do I cure this? I don't know. Whatever. Um, the And then Pandemic Legacy. Uh, I, I think none of those really go off the rails of what Pandemic is. That's some enduring hotness. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I think that... Um, its popularity at the cafe speaks to its enduring nature. I, there are co-op games out there that I'd rather play, but 
when people come into the cafe and there's a game in their head that that they've heard about and they want to play it, mm-hmm. there's a very good chance that that game is Pandemic. That's true. Uh, Settlers, yes, yep. obviously. Um, Ticket to Ride. Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Um, Carcassonne and Pandemic. Yeah, these like, are games that people ask for. They've yeah. heard from their friends how good they are. Yeah, this, this is not like... Nowhere near as many people ask for Pandemic as ask for Scrabble or Jenga, but sure. that's because everybody knows those games and they want to play what they're familiar with. The people who are asking for Pandemic, it's because they've heard of this game and they want to take it for a spin. Uh, and that is a huge testament to how well uh, it has aged. The one thing that I think, where, and again, I'm getting back to what we were talking about with Scott before, the one, well, the one respect in which I think Pandemic has aged very poorly is with the alpha player problem. Uh, again, we did a whole episode about this a while back. And when you have a game where everybody has access to all the information, it incentivizes you to try to tell people what they need to do in order to win. And that looks that that's absolutely the alpha problem right there. More uh, more modern co-ops have introduced elements of real time. They've introduced hidden traders. They've introduced information that you simply don't know about, like Hanabi. And those are all ways of making it so that not everybody has the uh, the full picture. And to me, uh, a more modern co-op game like that is far preferable because otherwise, I have two choices when I sit there playing Pandemic. Option one, I can not tell people what needs to happen in order for us to win and just say, okay, well, I guess we lose because it didn't say anything. Or I can be that alpha jerk who tells you what you have to do in order for us to win. And I don't like either of those options. Option three, play with a bunch of people who know the game as well as you do. Mm. Or play with at least one other person who is also just as big an alpha jerk as I am. You know, I wind up playing a lot of Pandemic at work just after hours because uh, Mm -hmm. I I think I have a a pretty um, solid teach for it. And so people will ask me to show them Pandemic. And my response to that is, sure, but then we're going to play Pandemic. And they're usually okay with that. <laughs> um, and I find it really interesting to watch a couple of Pandemic noobs struggle with their turns, say, what should I do? These are, I think I see some options. What's best? And I'll go, I mean, those are all good. If they're you know, attempting something that's just flat out a bad plan, I'll help them. Um, but I'm really happy to sit back and see someone struggle through some really suboptimal turns, even if it means we lose because the world didn't actually end, so I kind of don't care. And it's, I, I think, watching people discover the game in panic a little wait, is more exciting. Wait a, wait a minute. The world doesn't actually end I if know, you Steve. lose pand- No, that's Pandemic Legacy. Mind blown! At the end of game 12, there's a box you open that releases just global-scale okay, land. Whoa, 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 oh, no, spoilers! Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> We're going to talk about pandemic, pandemic Legacy. Let's step back a second. Basically, here. everyone's going to die. Scott, stop it. Okay, okay, okay. So, before we talk about Pandemic Legacy, we briefly have to mention Risk Legacy, which was Rob Davio's effort to bring Risk into the modern age by doing all kinds of crazy stuff to it. You guys have played Risk Legacy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, you take a Risk game, and at the end of every game, something awesome or crazy or or ridiculous happens, and the game changes permanently. Mm -hmm. Cities get nuked off the board. Uh, Australia gets renamed a thing that I about Steve that I can't say in a podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, new pieces get added, new rules get added. New armies break into the game. Like, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. By Reality-altering stuff, it really is. And you actually have to physically destroy some of the components of this game in order to continue. Yes, That's you do. actually how you break a new player in. If, if you know, you've got a, a player joining your group for the first time, 
you make them rip up the first thing that needs to be destroyed and you watch them feel really bad about it and say things like, but someone worked really hard on this. <laughs> um, it's great. So by the time you finish playing, you know, 15 odd games of this, your copy of Risk Legacy is completely unique in all the world. Mm-hmm. And this has been a, a huge hit. It's been a really remarkable thing. Obviously, we don't have it at Snakes and Lattes, in, in the library at least. We have it in the store. But uh, in the library, it doesn't make sense because you have to keep playing your own same yeah, copy. Of anything campaign-driven just doesn't work in in the cafe environment. But, but we'll totally recommend it for the store. Now, uh, Rob Davio has now teamed up with Matt Leacock, the designer of Pandemic, to bring us Pandemic Legacy. So here we have a case where we've got a world where these same diseases keep coming up again and again and again. It's because of the anti-vaxxers. <sighs> Actually, it's because I'm not going to say Spoilers. <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's the thing. These games have spoilers in them. A board game with spoilers. How bizarre is that? Uh, we're not going to talk about spoilers just yet. Once we actually get to the spoiler-ish part of things, we will give you a great big loud warning so you can turn off the podcast. Ooga, ooga. I, I will yet, say this though: the uh, it's not just the board that changes in Pandemic Legacy. The characters evolve. Yes. Um, in a and really meaningful way. You know what? I don't think this really counts as a spoiler because you learn it at the start of the game before you start game one. Uh, like, anything that's in the trailer for the movie is not a spoiler, so deal with it, folks. Um, that's debatable, but go on. If you, you know, your, your characters will will change as the game goes on. They, uh, they can change for better or for worse. Yeah, they develop relationships. You're incentivized to play certain characters in certain combinations. They can be emotionally scarred by things that happened. Yep. And they can even die. Yes, they can. And you have to physically rip them in half. Yep. This character you've been playing for how many months now is now dead and in the ground. Because the universe only has one medic? Is... Uh, no, because this character who has a name nah. and has these experiences and, uh, and, and, this, and this whole past and a service record that you write on the back of it where you write down the names of all, all, the, all the people who played this character and the results of the games that they were in. Yep. There's also a thing that makes the characters irreplaceable that I can't say in the spoiler-free component of this. Yes, let's yeah. let's uh, let's let's get to that in a little. Does bit. it involve motorboats at all? It's wall-to-wall motorboats up in there, Steve. <laughs> uh, right, just watch Shut Up and Sit Down's review for Pandemic Legacy if you want to get that motorboat reference, folks. In any event, uh, I've been playing Pandemic Legacy with a few friends. We're up to about April at this point. The idea is that each game is a month. Uh, and the game, the, the game itself, the campaign lasts for 12 months. If you mess up a particular month, you can try it again. And if you mess it up the second time, then, well, okay, you just lost that month. Things got worse. And I'm moving on to the month after that. Things got worse, but your funding went up. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's the, the game's got a sort of a... One of the reasons why I was dubious so, about so whether you're or not... So you're an ends-justify-the-means sort of guy, are you? It's like, <laughs> look, we're going to torpedo June This is the survival so of the human race July, is at stake here, Steve. We can totally do. I have heard some gaming of the system along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if you're doing... Uh, one, of the thing, one of the reasons why I was dubious about whether or not this whole legacy idea was going to work with a cooperative game is that it would have to... Re- reward you for doing well in some way and punish you for doing badly in some way. And they just, well, they did the opposite thing. Every time you win, then the CDC says, oh, well, you guys have got this. Let's take away some of your funding. And like, no, you don't understand. And every time you lose, they say, oh, my goodness, you, you guys are doing terribly. Here's, here, take some more funding so that you can get this right. If you lose four games in a row, there's a box you open that... Uh... Something, something redacted. <laughs> we haven't had to open that one yet. So far, oh, we're we did. <laughs> so far, we're four and one. So we're doing pretty well. Uh, what, what, what was your win loss record? Uh, How far than, are you? You're up to November we now. We just uh, lost our first crack at November hmm. yesterday. Um, our, I would say we're at about forty percent wins. Forty percent wins. Yes, things get rough over the summer. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, if you like this idea of playing Pandemic and you want something that's even more harrowing and more intense after you played the base game a few times, Pandemic Legacy is kind of awesome in that respect. Uh, obviously, we're not, you're not going to see it at the cafe, but you might want to pick it up and try it with your friends if you get the chance. I will say this. There's a concern about, and Steve, you brought this up, but I've heard this a bunch of times, the idea of dropping, it's what, 60 or 80 bucks on a game that you will play at most 24 times. And... I flinched at that and then stopped to think about the number of games that I've bought with every intention of playing them a lot. Um, you know, games in that sure. sort of price bracket. Um, and you've played them twice. And I've played them twice, yeah. yeah. My War of the Ring cost a whole lot, and I've probably played it eight times. Um, so, yeah, you'll only play it 24 times at most, but you'll play it. Mm. You will do those games. We are eager to play our next game. You always want to find out what's going to happen next. Yeah, and you you, you do the math. Interesting way to look at it. You do the math. Supposing you're you're between twelve and twenty-four. So supposing you're playing you know sixteen games. That's that. That's a very low count. You divide that between four players. That's sixty-four plays. That's a dollar a play per person. Not really bad value for the money, especially considering that each game's going to last you about an hour, an hour and a half. And I don't need every board game I own to to sort of cost that much per play or to run out and whatever, but I'm really okay with the idea that this is sort of a bespoke, fancy yeah. board game experience. There's something to be said for the quality of the experience more than just the quantity. Yeah. I don't wear my fancy ascot every day, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that my money spent on my fancy ascot was misspent. Why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> I love neckwear. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, if there's a game you'd like to see in the spotlight, tweet it to us at SnakesCast. Also, what games would you like to see become legacy games? Kind of curious. Steve Scott, thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. you. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Until next week. All right, now we can talk spoiler stuff. Okay. If you don't want to hear spoiler things for Pandemic Legacy, turn off the podcast right now. Right now. Steve, do do, do the alarm thing. Uh Uh Right, there we go. Okay, got it. Okay. So...